welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Banks. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing? I'm in a great mood. Great uh, mood. I'm right. just getting over the cold that Scott gave me last week. Yeah. Which I did. did it. <laughs> it could have been psychosomatic, David. I'll say that. Uh, if you got over it that quickly, I'm still sick, so. Yeah, no, I still have some, uh, you know, post-nasal shit going on, but um, I don't actually, it, it, like, timing-wise, it couldn't have actually been. Right. There's no way that I, like got sick that night from <laughs> yeah it was most most likely someone at work but uh yeah scott's back hooray all right two weeks uh, in a row and then next week no scott and no david that's right and then scott again after that that's right uh yeah can't get enough of this guy uh that's true sorry can't get rid of this guy is what i meant to say <laughs> well the listeners i think like scott it's january let's make it a thing <laughs> This, usually, this happened the last two years, so, you know, That's it pretty much good. is a thing. It will be hard to make that a thing if I've cut your throat by that. Well, <laughs> which stuff like that, you're on your way. You just prop me up. Fair enough. Yeah. That's what we've been doing for years. <laughs> hey. Uh, okay. All right. So, um, but yeah, I said I was in a great mood, or at least I thought it. I can't remember. I think I said it out loud. You did. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I do that all the time, actually. Um, especially, like, I think with my wife if i'm like driving around with my wife i'm so like relaxed and comfortable around her mm-hmm. that i honestly won't know if i just had a thought or if i said it to her yeah and so like it'll like be driving and then like two blocks after i had the thought i'll be like did i just say this <laughs> and she'll be like no and like oh i meant to there is uh it's that is another one of my favorite simpsons jokes where there's like they're on a nature preserve or something and homer winds up accidentally like stampeding a bunch of rhinos uh-huh. and they burst through this small fence and uh, the ga- the game warden is like i told them that fence couldn't hold rhinos oh wait no i didn't i meant to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> um but no the reason i'm in such a good mood so i think i've mentioned on the show before that i um got uh, was lucky enough to be included in the inaugural class of the los angeles online film critic society and last night uh, as of this recording um a f- you know a few nights ago uh as of the time you're hearing this or years ago i don't know when you're listening to this uh, we had our first award back dinner. before the scandal uh <laughs> at the uh los angeles online film critic society <laughs> yeah oh possibly um so we had our first awards dinner um and it was uh, a total blast um i got to um, present the award for best editing to, uh, well, the winners were Paul Matchless and Jonathan Amos, the editors of baby driver, but, uh, Edgar Wright accepted on their behalf. Nice. So yeah, bit of a step down, obviously yeah. Edgar Wright's no Paul Matchless and Jonathan Amos, <laughs> but, um, that was fun getting to hand an award to, uh, to Edgar Wright, who then he posted a picture of himself giving the, on, on his Twitter, a picture of himself giving his speech and I'm technically <laughs> I'm like right next to him. I'm I, I didn't him. even notice you until you posted the screenshot. <laughs> yeah. I zoomed, zoomed in. in. And I, I, yeah. I was joking in the picture. I was joking to our friend Aaron Newworth, who was also there. I was like, I'm the new tick villain microphone face. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, yeah. Uh, so that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, it ended up being just a really good time. I hear the food I guess, was good. Uh, the food was good. Uh, Gary Oldman in particular uh, made sure to point out in his speech, his winning speech for best actor for, for, uh, for darkest hour, um, how good the food was. Honestly, uh, here's what gets me about that. It doesn't get me. It is something I totally understand, which is like, 
How many times can you give the same speech? Yeah. Like That's you, what you I was gotta, You got to find something new. Um, you know? And actually, there was something that a funny thing like that kind of happened because... Uh, so part of um, the LAOFCS's mission statement is 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 diversity is representing in terms of critics like a bunch of different types of voices in terms of demographics at least we're essentially um, we have a, I think a, a, almost fifty fifty gender split I guess and there's a lot of members of color as well uh, and so they gave out they we gave out um, the a thing called the Trailblazer Award which is someone in the industry who advocates for diversity and we gave that to Jessica Chastain and she was there and the presidents of the the society cut together like an intro that was a bunch of like clips of her in movies but also other like speeches she's given <laughs> or like other interviews she's given in which she's talked about like specifically yeah. the need for diversity in criticism that's something that is a mm-hmm. thing for her I think that's probably why uh, we you know, voted for her to get this award. Is that is that you know she she says if you look at Rotten Tomatoes and you look at the faces, uh, you know um, there's you know there's a there's a certain, there's a near monopoly or whatever. I'm, I'm trying to remember what exact word she used. But what was funny is that she went then went up to give her speech and clearly had planned on saying some of the things <laughs> we just saw her say. But she was you know she's she's an actress, she's a performer. She yeah. was definitely able to make it work. So she like did an accent. That time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but um, so yeah, uh, friends of the show, uh, um, Aaron Newworth, whom I mentioned, and Terrence Johnson were both there, as well as our friend um, uh, Peter Serretta from Slash Film uh, mm-hmm. w- was there. Um, not a friend of the show. Uh, we should probably address that at some point. We should have Peter on the show. Address the fact that he is not a friend <laughs> of the show. Is that what you mean? <laughs> He's not invited. Okay. Um, but also, and then I just want to run down, like, uh, so many, I was so happy that so many people showed up in terms of recipients. Patrick Stewart was there, and Michael Stuhlbarg, and um, uh, let me run down <laughs> some more here. Um, a producer from Magnolia accepted on behalf of The Square, uh, Guillermo del Toro was there, um, a couple of guys from Weta, um, a lot of people from Shape of Water, actually, Guillermo del Toro producer, Miles Dale, I mentioned Michael Stuhlbarg, uh, Sally Hawkins was there, and of course, our friend, Doug Jones. Did you get to say uh, hi to him? Oh yeah, I said hi to Doug Jones before and Did he after. Give you a hug? Of course, he gave me multiple hugs. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and then I introduced him to my wife. He was like, I was like, this is my wife Natalie. And he was like, Oh, I've heard about wife Natalie. And he like <laughs> cupped her face and was like, you know, so beautiful. And then he just started like rubbing my head. He was like, Don't you ever? Don't you like to just rub his head? Uh, yeah, he's he's cupped my face before. And he goes, Oh, I love this beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish that I could approach everything <laughs> with the positivity that Doug Jones does. I feel like there are maybe, I don't know, eight people in the world that everyone is okay, everyone would be okay with touching them as intimately right, yeah. as he does. Yeah. Um, it's just like, not to imply he's asexual or anything, but right. like, I don't feel threatened at all. And, and I don't know about Natalie. Maybe she did. No, actually, we were joking about it because we took a picture, like a group picture, uh, me and Natalie and Aaron and his lovely girlfriend, Anna and Terrence, with Doug. Mm-hmm. And he like had his hand on Natalie's shoulder. And afterwards, she was like looking at the picture. She was like, that's the pale man's hand with the alcohol <laughs> in it, like, on my shoulder. <laughs> um, so yeah, I said Gary Oldman. Uh, Adrian Molina, one of the directors of uh, Coco, was there. Michael 
Showalter was there. Um, yeah, Jessica Chastain. Um, I'm sure I'm missing someone. I'm running down here. But, For a new um, critics uh, organization, that's uh, that's not bad. Yeah, it was, you know they got some maybe hitters connections to Access Hollywood uh, right. within the group and, and some other organizations clearly right. uh, use the connections. But we also you know, um, I mean the. I've, I don't want to like throw one critics organization. I've paid more this year in dues to LA Online Film Critics Society than I've paid in my entire five or six years as a member of the Online Film Critics Society. I like there, but it's not going to line anyone's pockets. Like it clearly went into this thing, and they had sponsorships, and it's like it felt really, really cool. Yeah, I was really happy to be part, be a part of it. Uh, I um, hope my wife not only took a video of me presenting. I she made I. She watched it last night to show me that I didn't do as bad a job as I thought I did. <laughs> and then watching it, I was like, no, I was right. That's fucking terrible. I did oh, a very bad, very, very bad job. Pish posh. I'm sure it was fine. You've spoken in public before. I know. That's the thing. That's why I'm so mad at myself. Hmm. And I think and I was trying to think about like times that I've spoken in public before. Right. Yeah. Certainly I've spoken at like my grandma's funeral. Um, you know, but other than that, like our live shows or like I used to back in high school, speak to the drama club. The difference there is that in all of those cases, I, I know and know how I feel about everyone in the audience, or at least I know how they feel about me. Right. Yeah. Right here. It's like a bunch of like people that I look up to. (laughs) Um, and this is maybe the first time they're seeing me. And I just like, I just did the thing. I didn't like embarrass myself i just did the thing of like looking at my note card the entire time oh yeah yeah and um i don't think i when i was rehearsing i was speaking too fast i don't think i spoke too fast well look david you're not the only big talker here all right i don't mind telling you that it's it's not set in stone yet but i'm probably going to be giving another talk at the international christian film festival and i don't look i can't guarantee he'll be in the audience but he is getting lifetime achievement Kirk Cameron, and so you know you've got your Jessica oh. Chastain and your Gary Oldman. Some of us have Mike Seaver over here. Fuck him up, Tyler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I I hadn't talked that much on the podcast. I don't think about the this group since I since I joined it. But yeah. uh, this made me very uh, excited um, about being a part of it and. and um, doing this every year going forward absolutely so yeah check out the the winners you can check out um a pic, if you can go to the the daily mail uh dot co dot uk and see jessica chastain's lovely ralph lauren dress uh <laughs> on the on the step and repeat question for you okay who hosted it was there a host so the three the scott uh, scott menzel uh chris lee kennedy and scott mance are the three sort okay. of presidents and vice presidents of the organization they sort of hosted it but then each award was introduced by um but then a different member did they introduce you very briefly just said, what did they say just they, david Bax, or did they say battleship pretension zone david you know Bax? they t- uh they just said david Bax. i think it was because yeah, they just said David Bax. I think they told me beforehand they were going to say outlets, but I think they just ended up running running through it. Um, but people can find me on the website where it says, and, and probably links to Battleship Pretension on the LAOFCS website. Um, there was something else I was going to say that you made me, you made me Sorry forget. Sorry about that. Um, oh, well. I was curious now, like, because if they say Battleship Pretension... Uh, Battleship Pretension's David Bax, mm-hmm. then because they said the name of the out- outlet... I get something out of it. But if they don't, then it's all about you and I don't get anything out of it. So I don't see how this is good for me. 
<laughs> I guess it wasn't directly good for you at this time. Um, now, the other thing I was going to mention in terms of people who were there, uh, we also got uh, certain winners sent in videos who couldn't be there. Oh, okay, yeah. So we had Greta Gerwig, Sersha, Ronan, Allison Janney, and Patty Jenkins all nice. sent in videos. All so, right. Yeah, it was a good time. Don't want to bore people anymore uh, with it, but uh, check it out. Um, and I, I, I know they recorded the whole thing, and I think their plans in future years are to actually live stream the awards as they're happening. But they specifically said, like, we don't want to do this the first time in case it's a disaster. Sure. But it didn't end, it ended up being a blast. So, um, yeah, uh, check it out. Now, David, I would. you said you didn't want to bore people. I do. Okay. I feel like it's it's time to check in. Now that the three of us are here, on time what? to check in on how we're all doing in the fantasy awards draft. Because <laughs> listeners love it; they love that. It's talk. getting intense. I haven't updated my scores. I haven't even okay. looked at either the DGA or the Critics' Choice, which are both announced today. Who do you have okay. for director? Uh, Martin McDonough. Yeah, he's he got in. nominated. Yeah, um, yeah. And then Critics' Choice. Yeah, I don't actually have those memorized, um, but uh, looks like Egan took the bulk of the points for that. Damn it. Well, yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to catch up to him. So um, Jason is number one right now. No, you're still ahead of Ian. Oh, Ian, I thought you said Ekin. Okay, and no, I was no, like, no, oh, no. that's an odd thing to do. Um, but yeah, Ian, uh, Ian's doing pretty well, too. Yeah. That's Ian Brill. Yeah. Um, yeah, you guys, listeners, long-time listeners know him. Sorry, I, I don't... Normally I say, oh, the listeners don't care. But I don't care to talk about this right now because I am in no danger of winning. <laughs> okay. I'm so far behind. Here's the thing, though. You might not win, but you are going to have a surge because because like early works. critics awards. I was surprised at how much they weren't. Uh, well, I wasn't surprised because I don't like the movie, but uh, outside they, of they Sam Rockwell, for, they weren't like yeah. going for three billboards, which I and the my team I went all Francis McDormand. Yeah, I went all in, not all in, but largely in for three billboards. Yeah. Um, not having seen the movie at the time, but I still would have because it's sure. based on how, how I feel, as you can see. But yeah, I'm thinking as the guilds go on, I'll yeah. pick up some points, but I think I'm in too much of a hole it's, for it to matter. That, that is possible, yes. Um, but it is, it is kind of... I'll say this. So uh, there was a trade that I wanted to make uh, early on for best actor. Uh, I had Denzel Washington who much to my surprise has gotten me some points. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wanted to trade him out for Daniel Kaluuya. Um, more of a swap than a trade. More of a swap. Thank you. Um, listeners don't necessarily know how the game works, but you can find out how the game works (laughs) on our website. That's right. And, uh, start your own league next year. Please do. And, um, but yeah, and so when we make these swaps, uh, it all starts at the exact same time, right? And we all just we have this email thread, and I, you were also going for Daniel Kaluuya, David, and yeah. uh, I officially beat you, but I sent it in the wrong thread, right? So that and so count. it didn't count, and I was so angry at myself that I was like, you know what, I'm not going to win anyway, so maybe I'll just drop out. In retrospect, I'm glad I did not do that because there is uh, it's it's going to be pretty close. I think it's going to be down to like three, maybe even 
maybe yeah. even up to four people yeah. at the very end. The twists and turns of award season, man. You but never I know. Award season especially. Oh, yeah. I had crazy. the same feeling that night, though, because even though I got Daniel Kaluuya, I didn't get Tiffany Haddish. This motherfucker beat me. Which has got and, me zilch. <laughs> and I think I, I got one point ever since that <laughs> trade. And I didn't. I was trying to, sweat, uh, to swap out for Mudbound for cinematography, which I have Darkest Hour, which ended up getting an ASC nomination, yeah. which... Yeah, uh, which is surprising, uh, bodes, and, and also bodes well, I think, going forward. So, um, yeah, that's exciting. Uh, now, this is this is, I know this is not only the venue to propose rule changes. Okay. <laughs> I've mentioned this to you before. Yes, uh, and you hate the idea. But you know, at the end of uh, uh, at the end of the uh, season of say the NFL or the NHL right. or whatever, when it goes to the draft order, mm-hmm. they pick. In reverse order. So the team that finished the, the last worst, shall be first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily saying we go that far, that next year we draft based on that order. But I'm saying when it comes to trades, on the trade thread, mm. that a tie goes to the person who at that moment has the lowest points. <laughs> That's my Okay, but there are no ties. No, I'm saying if two things come through and both, and both say 10 o'clock. That's the point of the thread. No ties. But I don't think the thread looks the same for everyone. That is true. Really? It doesn't. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, here's what I'll say. Jen, okay, so when I did not get Daniel Kaluuya, it was 10 p.m. Uh-huh. Jen and I had just gotten out of a uh, couples therapy session. So Late I was night the, couples therapy. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, sorry. That's code for sex. No, um, I'm joking, of course. It was, it was, uh, that's what it was. It's code for sex with another couple. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all are swingers now. Yeah. It's, uh, did I not say that? Um, but, uh, so I was already a little bit raw. And then when Jen saw how visibly upset I got, she said, how about, she's like, you do the, the, the snake thing when it comes to actually making picks. Why not just do that with trades as well? And that way it's not this mad, crazy ass dash. And it means that you, I guess you do this with the trades as well. You can't have one email that covers all your trades. It has to be one email per trade. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But like, if you do the snake thing, then it's like it's random and it's not quite as stressful and horrible. And you know, if you're, oh, I'm so angry at myself. <laughs> Could have gotten Daniel Kaluuya, but uh, I don't think that's necessarily a terrible idea. I couldn't think of when she said it. I was like, well, no, we we can't do that. And she asked why, and I thought like. I don't actually have an answer. As well, to we'd why. have to get everyone we'd have to in get the same... together again. Yeah, which is no, which... you wouldn't. You just have to say between ten and ten thirty, and if you don't take your turn within you know two minutes of the other person okay. going or whatever, I guess that's true. Yeah. Okay. Although it would be fun to get all together again, honestly. But it's so hard to get people together the first time. That's true. <laughs> as yeah. the person who mostly organizes that first time. Yeah. But I guess someone, if they don't want to make any trades, they don't need to show up at all. Yeah. But most, I think everybody made a trade, right? No. Not that night. I don't think Jason did at all. That's true. Yeah, and Natalie didn't that night. I think she's done a trade since, but yeah. she didn't uh, on trade night. Yeah. So, um, and I've done a couple since. Yeah, I, I did traded one. up for uh, score. I, ha- I can't remember what I had initially. Oh, I had Last Jedi, uh, and I traded for uh, Blade Runner, which is like racking up points. Good nice. call. Uh, yeah, I yeah. swapped out uh, Greatest Showman for Phantom Thread, which was a good call on my part. I was not expecting it to get as much as it has gotten so far, so I'm very happy about that. Um, and then I traded for Best Adapted Screenplay, I traded Victoria and Abdul for Logan, and I just crossed my fingers that Logan at least makes the five points that I <laughs> yeah. lost in trading, because yeah. it cost five points to do a trade, listeners. Um, but yeah, the, it's a it's, tough one. The, the bad, adapted screenplay is a thin field this yeah. year. It's just going to be calling by your name all the way through. 
Yeah, and well, the disaster I've gotten, artist. I've gotten some stuff from Unbound, this game, much to my surprise. Mm. Well, for nominations and stuff, I mean, sure, sure. I mean wins. Yeah, I, I did get a very surprising win for adapted screenplay. Some oh wow, like last week. All right, but yeah. All so. right. Well, that was fun. Yeah. So, listeners, if you want, if you enjoyed this conversation, you want to have them yourself. Yeah, you can go then to go site. to battleshipretention.com, Check out our uh, fantasy awards league. Feel free to make a. There's a donation button there. You don't have to. Sure. If you want to start your own league, but. Uh, Maybe you don't feel like you should give this money, yeah. which is understandable. Um, but yeah, t- if you do start your own league, we don't charge anything, but there's a donation button, and Tyler and Scott put a lot of work into this. Damn right so, we did. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm was, not going to actually give Scott a high five because he's sick. Yeah, that, no, that was Tyler just slapping Scott across the face. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very thick face. <laughs> oh, thick face nut. That's what we call him. Um, all right, so... Um, what was I going to say? Oh, let's play some pills. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, okay, I'm assuming so you have it uh, called up. I do. This episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Okay, now... Everything I just said is all about this streaming service, but Mubi is, uh, they're going above and beyond now. They, uh, they have released some films in theaters, and their latest one is called Lover for a Day, uh, which opens January 12th in New York and January 26th in Los Angeles, and it's selected theaters across the country after that. Lover for a Day is directed by Philippe Garrel and stars... Uh, his daughter Esther, who recently appeared in Call Me By Your Name. Uh, it was it was uh, it was named as one of the top ten films of the year by I never know how you say is Cahiers uh, du Cinema. Cahiers du Cinema. Cahiers du Cinema. Thank you. Yes, of course. Um, which uh, you know, if you know your uh, film history, then you know that that is a very well respected uh, uh, group and publication. There still a pretty decent rag. Still a pretty decent rag. <laughs> As old thick face calls it, <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, so it's it's a great film. Check it out. Uh, go to to find out more information. Go to loverforaday.mubi.com. Uh, but then don't forget, it's also a streaming service and currently featured on Mubi is Nicholas Rogue's The Man Who Fell to Earth, starring David Bowie, which I've actually never seen, but I've heard it is uh, delightfully erotic. It's very, it's very it's a very self-consciously arty movie. I'm not my biggest fan. I, I enjoy it for what it is, um, and I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of Riptorn's penis. <laughs> <laughs> well, who isn't really? Of all um, the things you would have isolated, <laughs> Man Who Fell to Earth was not expecting me to go there. Uh, but yeah, so that along with uh, 29 other wonderful films are available uh, at movie.com. And there is a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. Uh, so please pay attention. You can try movie free for a month. Just go to movie.com. That's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to redeem now. Or go to battleshippretension.com and click on the movie ad on the left hand side. Uh, I'm excited for Lover for a day because uh, I don't know that much Philippe Garel or however you said it. Mm-hmm. Um, but his last movie in the shadow of women was quite good. Okay. It was quite good. Yeah. Uh, at the, uh, recently departed Cine family, I saw one of his first movies, which was about Nico case wandering in the desert and just like singing whatever came to her mind oh, for wow. about an hour. That's it was a awesome. crazy movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, all right. Uh, and then I want to tell you about uh, tweakedaudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look good. They sound good. They look great, really, and they sound great. Sure. Uh, Tyler and I stand by them and use them each and every day of our lives. Today I was listening to, I talked before about the NPR Tiny Desk Concert Series where they have people come in to their office and play a few songs at a at a desk mm-hmm. in the middle of the bullpen. Uh, I listened to the Julianne Baker. Uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you'd be a fan, Tyler, Julianne Baker. Um, so that's what I listened to. It sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds. That's what I listened to today. Um, and you can find them at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. Uh, but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, uh, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Um, now, next week, you guys aren't going to be here. So where are you going to be? Are you just, are you just like, checking out? Are you just taking a personal day? What's going on? We're going to a silent retreat in uh, <laughs> Santa Fe. I mean, a good deal of our time <laughs> will be spent in silence. That's, because we are well-mannered people. That's actually, yeah, that's true. Um, whenever I hear about a silent retreat, I think that sounds great. But then I like read a little further, and it's like, oh, you're supposed to, like, unplug from the internet and like do yoga and shit. It's like, no, you're ruining it. (laughs) What I want is to just for a week, not have to talk to anyone and no one gets to talk to me and I get to go around my life about my life. I'm still going to play games on my phone. Like it's going to be fun. That's, that's what I want out of a silent retreat. It would be very battery recharging for me to uh, have uh, no one be allowed to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh no we won't be at a silent retreat uh in in santa fe or any or any other hippie uh part of the southwest uh we are going to park city utah uh for the sundance film festival 2018 yeah i'm excited i don't know how you felt about the last two years but i think after the first year i wasn't like super looking forward to the second year in part because i wasn't as excited for the movies and like that was inauguration weekend so i was feeling down about the whole affair but after that second year i think i'm just hooked now i think yeah. i'm just a sundance guy i think i was hooked after the first okay one. yeah i i think um there's i mean i've certainly been to festivals before but this is one of the premier festivals in the world and so that yeah that festival atmosphere is even more heightened. And part of it is because it's such an interior festival, even though it's all over the city because of the snow. Yeah. You're pretty cut off. Yeah. And everything does like you're all, you're, you're just moving from a series of interior, like be it a movie theater or, a, you know, basketball court turned into a movie theater. Um, it's like if the guys uh, in the thing were movie fans, <laughs> right? And then you move to the shuttle and then you're at a bar or whatever, but everyone's like kind of huddled inside and there is this sort of community, like we're all experiencing things for the first time together. Uh, and part of that is that I think part of it is us being, you know, very tuned in to the film world, but just in general now, people know about the movies they see before they see them. Yeah, Sundance totally. Is a place where you can see uh, a movie that will go on to be a big deal movie, and you don't know anything about it. You usually have you, some idea. I feel like uh, I, for like a big deal movie, 
I mean, I didn't know anything. I mean, other than the cast, I didn't know anything about Manchester by the Sea. Oh, really? Okay. I, because I intentionally didn't look up what the plot was. Well, I guess I was just like, like, oh, like it's a Kenneth Lonergan. Kenneth Lonergan yeah, movie knowing it's a Kenneth Lonergan movie <laughs> and yeah. knowing what the cast is, you have some idea what you're in for. Yeah, but I'm sure that I mean, there must be something that I've seen at Sundance that right. is like uh, that I that snuck up on me, but uh, I can't quite think of it right now. Well, maybe, I mean, Swiss Army Man was that first year. Yeah, I didn't like. I kind of knew it was like kind of weird or whatever, and then right. it just started getting more buzz. And that's the thing about Sundance is because there's like multiple P and I screenings, press and industry screenings. If something starts gaining buzz, you can like move your schedule right. around and like try to cram that in. Cause like, I, like even last year, like I knew people, like there are people that I knew who were excited about call me by your name, but I hadn't seen any Luca Guadagnino before. Mm. And so it wasn't actually on my like must watch list. It oh, wasn't okay. until everyone started seeing it that I made sure it was literally the last film I saw at Sundance last year. I made sure to cram in that, uh, Monday at like 11 AM or whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, P and I screening. So uh, I think that, yeah, there's a sense of like, uh, and then I'll finally let uh, Scott talk for more than three words. But there's a sense of like communal discovery, I think, that is, uh, uh, again, it's something that happens in all film festivals from AFI to the LA Film Fest to uh, whatever else, you know, uh, you like. But the International Christian Film Festival? Probably. Um, but it's, it's heightened that was here. <laughs> it's heightened here because we know sort of what stage these movies are on or could potentially be on. Yeah, and but I think that's kind of the double-edged sword. A lot of people who don't go to Sundance, and that I certainly used to say too, complain about Sundance as far as like people overhyping things, um, which is definitely a danger. I've probably done it myself. Um, but it's just the difference of seeing something before it's been at all commodified. You know, you don't like Swiss Army Man is a perfect example. When, by the time the trailer went out, like there's a real sense of what the movie is and how to approach it. But and actually, I said this with the ghost story on top te- uh, on the top ten episode, where like I didn't know that there was going to be a guy in a ghost sheet. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. like by the time most people saw the movie, that was an accepted reality. But like seeing that for the first time, that was very exciting. And like yeah. those little thrills that you don't get most of the time. It probably does color the perception, but I don't think it's unhealthy. And given the choice between that or the Cannes Film Festival being famous for their booing, I'll take the one that's famous for being overly enthusiastic about something. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I um, part of the you talk about the booing. Uh, I have come to, in many ways, like the P and I screenings better than the public. Oh, screenings. I definitely do, <laughs> um, because you have less of that. Uh, I mean, sometimes I, mean, I sometimes I and I know this happened last year. Like there were at Golden Exits, there were like a couple of women who were just like, I guess, kind of into movies, but more they wanted to be at the Sundance Film Festival, and this is one they were able to get tickets. Yeah, for. yeah. They weren't particularly interested in in Golden Exits or right. in uh, um, drawing a blank on the film, uh, Alex, Alex Ross Perry. Um, or any of that. Uh, and they, and I overheard them talking. They were like <laughs> in 20, so that was 2017 in 2016 or it was 2015, whatever they were saying. The one movie they were able to get in for was the eyes of my mother. <laughs> if you're not like, I mean, you have to be like hardcore into yeah. like, like willing to see some people get like tortured and get their eyes cut out and shit. And, <laughs> and eyes of my mother is a great movie. I'm really looking for one of the things I'm looking forward to this year to get into that part of it, uh, is Nicholas Pesci's, Purchase, what's his name? Uh, his follow-up, uh, Piercing. Um, one of, I think, two Mia Vashikovska uh, yeah. uh, vehicles. Um, I at, didn't at, write down his name. Uh, at the festival. Um, but uh, I can't remember what I was going with all that. Oh, yeah, the P&I screenings. There's generally people who 
you know, I just want to watch the movies and there's less of that. Like, yeah. I, I don't like not people who need to be seen seeing the movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't mind that. I, I guess the double edged sword of the enthusiasm is there's kind of a performative appreciation that comes in, especially in the premieres um, where you get the Q and A's afterwards and people are just so effusive and it's uh-huh. like a life changing movie. And I like it. The PNI screening says there's, there's enthusiasm. People are excited to be there. Like the lines will get, packed by like an hour before the movie sometimes uh the people are excited about the movie they're not excited about showing the movie how much they like it <laughs> right yeah yeah and then the 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 aftermath of the pni screening is usually like a few words shared and then it's like all right what are you up to now yeah, you totally. have to like get in line for another movie or write your review right. or grab something to eat before you get in line for another movie or write your review um so yeah i i, I do like those um this isn't we didn't want to do a uh i think we, we might have hashed this out on the podcast i think maybe yeah uh we didn't want to do just a rundown of like here's what we're excited for but we should do a little bit of that i think sure um what are you most excited for well let me start by asking tyler have you looked into the movies at sundance what is nope. playing oh i was gonna ask as someone who isn't going what is playing <laughs> that you are i am not going in. and thus i am not looking uh, well, okay. and school just started so i'm that I'm makes sense doing yeah. other things at the end of this episode, you can tell us what sounds most intriguing. Sounds good. I will, uh, shit, I wasn't planning on paying attention. Um, okay. All right. Hang on. All you have Let to me... do is remember one and you can just right. lie to us. And I, like, the next a... one that you said, <laughs> the first one you there say you is what I'm going to remember. This is a survival system. I'm surprised right. you haven't learned that in school. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do we got? What am uh, I most wa- excited wow for? Wow me. Uh, it doesn't have to be most, just, we'll just go, you know, batter, again, we're not going to go through our schedules, but let's yeah. bat back and forth some of the things that are particularly standing out to us this year. Uh, let's do this. Yeah. Well, it'll be a head to head. You say something, you say something. <laughs> I'll say what of those two is most interesting. Uh, I like this. This is fun. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Um, all right. I'm so going to start with the big Tyler ones. is engaged. I'm going to lead with Ophelia which is a movie by a woman named Claire McCarthy, who I'm not familiar with, but it is written uh, based on a novel by a woman named Lisa Klein. It is written by a woman named Semi Chellis, I guess, who wrote some of my favorite episodes of Mad Men, including The Other Woman and uh, Faraway Places. Uh, which one's Faraway Places? Faraway Places is one where it's like three different stories all taking place like sort of during the same time. There's one where Roger's on LSD. Uh, oh, yeah. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's a great episode. Yeah. Um, and it stars Daisy Ridley as the title character. Uh, it's sort of the story of Hamlet, but more from Ophelia's perspective, okay. um, which I had never actually seen a version of Hamlet. And so I was like, I should probably learn up on this. I watched the uh, Kenneth Branagh one. Not too good. Hmm. I remember liking it, really? but I was in ninth grade. <laughs> yeah. If I saw it in high school, it would be very cool. Yeah. I never saw, I never saw the, who directed the Mel Gibson one? Mel Gibson one. Was that Zephyr? Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 I never saw that one. I never saw that one yet. I saw his Romeo and Juliet. Um, right. Yeah. As we all did. Uh, but yeah, I think the only Hamlet I've seen, other than, you know, like the Lion King or whatever, <laughs> sure. um, is the Brandon one. Because okay. I've never seen Laurence Olivier. Yeah, uh, I want to I never Olivier. saw the Ethan Hawke. What was that? Uh, Michael Amorita? Oh, yeah. Is that who was yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I never saw that one either. Okay. So we got Ophelia all yeah. right, in this corner. Yeah. And on this other corner... All right. <laughs> See, I, oh, I, all right. I'm not prepared. Um, I should say whatever one you want. It's fine. No, but I don't have, he has the, his notes up. I just had like the list of movies. So oh, he's got, oh, okay. You gotta he's have the notes to, to make a case okay. for what he's, he's talking about. Uh, okay. All right. So, um, Private Life is the new Tamara Jenkins movie. Tamara okay. Jenkins made Savages, which I know yes, you're a I fan didn't. of. Yes. Oh shit. I didn't even notice this um, movie. 
Uh, and it stars uh, Catherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti and uh, uh, one of my favorites, Molly Shannon, um, and uh, some other people. Uh, an author is undergoing multiple f- fertility therapies to get pregnant, putting her relationship with her husband on edge. It's Catherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti play the... the uh, the, the couple. But knowing Tamara Jenkins, I'm looking forward to sort of a sharp-edged, uh, darkish comedy. Catherine Hahn especially, I think, would fit very well into yeah. that. So, let's see. Both pretty good. So we both but came be- out with the big guns. All right. But because of my love of Chimes at Midnight, which is Shakespeare <laughs> from a different perspective, yeah. okay. I'm going to go Ophelia. All right. Round one to nine. <laughs> January is looking good. <laughs> Uh, I hate you so much. I hate me too. Uh, <laughs> next, I'm going to lead with, not lead with, uh, he won't get far on foot. It's called, don't worry, he won't get far on foot. That's right. And now I have How to look I something else up because that's what I was going to go with. Oh, now. that's <laughs> exciting. Uh, I lost the plot here. Oh, wait, here we go. Uh, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John Callahan has a talent for off color jokes. And a drinking problem. When a bender ends in a car accident, Callahan walks to learn he's permanently confined. Wakes to learn he's permanently confined to a wheelchair. <laughs> he would not walk to learn that. Uh, <laughs> in his journey back from rock bottom, Callahan finds beauty in comedy. Yada Sundance thing. But it's directed by uh, Gus Van Sant and starring Joaquin Phoenix, which is exciting enough for me. Mm. And it's the first script Gus Van Sant's written since Paranoid Park, which I think is his last really good movie. All right. Uh, it also stars Rooney Mara, Jonah Hall, Jack Black, Udo Kier, and Carrie Brownstein. All right. So what was that one called again? Don't worry. He won't get far on foot. Okay. David, what do, you, what do we got here? I feel like Scott's going to, by virtue of going first, he's going to win all of these. Uh, you um, can go first next time. No, no, that's all right. Because um, I'm not even that excited about this movie. But uh, <laughs> The fact that you both instinctively were going to go with that one is interesting to me. So I think we're both, well, I think you're both winners. Gus Van Sant's a big name. Um, whereas, uh, oh, here's, a, okay. I'm going to go with White Rabbit, Daryl Wine's new movie. Daryl Wine made a very, very, very bad movie called Lola Versus a few years ago. Oh, yeah. um, and so I wasn't initially, based on his name, I was I initially skipped over this one entirely. Um, but then I realized that it, uh, the well, the, it's a dramatic comedy following a Korean-American performance artist who struggles to be authentically heard and seen through her multiple identities in modern Los Angeles. So the idea of... Uh, a female Korean American uh, performance artist was intriguing to me. The idea of a movie that shot all around Los Angeles, which I know a lot of movies are, but mm-hmm. that embrace that. And like, I always like the potential for a movie to be a Los Angeles movie, sure. even though so many of them that I see at festivals fall short, such as Izzy gets the fuck across town. Uh, such a missed opportunity there. Um, and it stars uh, Vivian Bang is the, is the woman um, and then you've, it's, it's a cast of no names, um, which is also very exciting to me. So that's called White Rabbit. Okay. So here's my thinking. Joaquin Phoenix is a fascinating enough actor yeah. that I feel like he could probably overcome the inherent who gives a shit of that story. Right. <laughs> but I'm going to go with White Rabbit. Oh, okay. Surprise. Because I, I feel like it just, uh, it's like you said, you, 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 Spelled out like the the various elements that just kind of add up to make a film that is uh, could be not great. Oh, it could be terrible. Could be terrible. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, oh, I, you know what? And I didn't even 
Oh, this, hang on. This really would have sold you. Oh, okay. It would have sold me. All right. Um, uh, a thing that I um, left out because it wasn't... Oh, it's not on the IMDb. It's on the press email I got. Anyway, the movie's like 71 minutes. <laughs> well, you know what? You should have just let, you should have said that. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Uh, I didn't see Lola versus, but I believe that it sucks and what's interesting about daryl wine is he's married to zoe lister jones who's also a terrible writer director <laughs> she made band-aid yeah. which i was which wise enough to stay away from awful yeah um okay all right all right scott what's next for you oh i thought we were going david first oh i went up to him <laughs> no it's gonna be you uh, david is putting himself at a disadvantage here okay uh i don't actually know the plot of this movie so i'm gonna look it up but it's called You Were Never Really Here. It's the other Walking Phoenix movie. Okay. But this one's directed by Lynn Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, all right. Walking Phoenix won the Best Actor Award can for it. Uh, he apparently plays a traumatized veteran, afraid, unafraid of violence, who tracks down missing girls for a living. Okay. And a job spins out of control. <laughs> His nightmares overtake him. And a conspiracy is uncovered. Oh man, that sounds pretty good. Although I do not as good as if it said a job goes perfectly fine. What kind All of systems go? What kind of Lynn Ramsey movie would this be? Fair enough. All right, David. Okay. Um, honestly, this one's kind of my ringer because this one's very much up Tyler's alley. <laughs> All right. The new Armando Iannucci movie uh, called The Death of Stalin, okay. in which Steve Buscemi plays Nikita Khrushchev. Um, I don't feel like I need to say much more. <laughs> okay. Well, then it's just, it's about Nikita Khrushchev. Um, follows the Soviet dictator's last days and depicts the chaos of the regime after his death. Um, also stars Olga Karolinko, Jason Isaacs, Rupert Friend, Andrea Riseborough, who's in like four things yeah. at Sundance this year. Um, uh, pervert Jeffrey Tambor, uh, Patty Considine, Michael Palin is in it. Um, I think that's uh, all the names. Here. Did Jason Isaacs just get nominated for something? Did he get nominated for a BAFTA for it? Oh, oh that's possible. totally possible because it came out in <clears throat> right. other places last year. Okay. Because um, I knew it sounded familiar. Um, okay. Boy, this is tough. All right. That is tough. Here's what I'm... Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. I was recently reflecting on uh, Boardwalk Empire and realizing that uh, though he gives a perfectly fine performance, I think... Buscemi's just him playing that part uh, drags the whole show down a little bit. Again, perfectly fine performance, but I don't think he has the presence for it. So, so having him be the lead, mm-hmm. but he is playing noted charisma vacuum. Khrushchev. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. Of course. Um, the, uh, <laughs> Hmm. Look, you're, I know you're an Armando Iannucci fan, and I one am. thing I've known about you for 19 years is a sort of fascination with Soviet Russia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with that one. All well right. done. Fair enough. The casting is interesting because, you know, Khrushchev was a larger man and over the top and also Russian. Steven, uh, Steve Buscemi is, uh, none of those things. <laughs> so, uh, that could not, that could go, uh, not great, but I think it'll be a lot of fun. And also I will say that, uh, this, uh, the other film sounds very interesting as well. You were never really here. You were never really here. Yeah. All right. When is that screening? I think I'm, that's midweek, right? No, actually it's uh Friday night. Well, it's screening a couple different times. I'm going to 
try to be really adventurous and catch it Friday night when I fly in because okay. it screens in Salt Lake City. Oh, that's so I'm going to try to see it there and then Uber or shuttle into uh, Park City. Yeah, that's but one thing we. I don't know if that kind are, of operation is going to pull off. There are screenings in Salt Lake City, yeah. and there are also screenings that are technically in Park City, but I've never gone up to like the Redstone no. or whatever. I had a ticket for something that year. Wasted ticket. Was never going to go up there. Didn't realize how far away it was. Yeah, it's essentially like going halfway back to Salt Lake City, I think. Uh, I don't know if it's that far, (laughs) but it is like a half hour bus ride. Yeah. Now, before we move on, I will say that the reason that I was thinking of Boardwalk Empire is I was talking with a fellow student about Stephen Root, uh, who plays a character named Gaston Means, who is a real guy and is maybe the most fascinating person you've ever heard. And if somebody ever decided to make a movie of his life, that's an Oscar-nominated John Goodman performance just waiting to happen. Uh, Look up Gaston Means on Wikipedia. Look at the sheer balls of this man (laughs) who looked at the Lindbergh kidnapping and said, how can I make money off of this? And uh, for a good while, did pretty well at it. So, uh, But they don't get into this part in Boardwalk Empire? No. What does he do in Boardwalk Empire? Oh, he's part of the deep, the Teapot Dome scandal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. Almost every major scandal that happened in that this like fifteen he had his fingers period, in it. He's kind of there. All right. It's really fascinating, and it's a wonderful Stephen Root performance in oh, Boardwalk, Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Of course. What is it? But uh, but yeah. So, listeners, you owe yourself a treat to look up Gaston Means Gaston on means. Uh, on Wikipedia and elsewhere. All right. Uh I guess I'll go next uh, with Robert Greene's new movie. He last directed uh, Kate Plays Christine, which was a wonderful kind of documentary fiction hybrid about a woman uh, preparing to play Christine. What the hell is her last name? I can't remember. Chubb something? It sounds right. Uh, Two movies about her. I know. Sundance the same year. The the woman who killed herself on live TV. Yeah. this film is another kind of documentary fiction hybrid. It is about an old mining town on the Arizona-Mexico border that finally reckons with its darkest day, the deportation of 1,200 immigrant miners exactly 100 years ago. Locals collaborate to stage recreations of their controversial past. Mm. All right. Lot, Pretty enticing. A little act of killing in there, yeah, which I like. A little bit. All right. Um, all right. This one you might have heard of because I think it's actually... Um, coming, it's playing at Sundance and also coming out okay. <laughs> during Sundance. Uh, I think we're alone now, um, which is the uh, movie directed by Reed Morano, who was uh, hmm. one of the main directors of The Handmaid's Tale okay. on on Hulu. Uh, and this stars Peter Dinklage and Elle Fanning. Uh, the apocalypse proves a blessing in disguise for one lucky recluse until a second survivor arrives with the threat of companionship. So it sounds like a twist on the sort of uh, people finding each other at the apocalypse because this person wants to be alone. And, uh, yeah. Okay. So there's a nice Twilight Zone quality there uh, a little bit with, uh, like, Burgess Meredith. Um, Scott, what was the name of yours again? Bisbee 17. Bisbee 17, and I think we're alone now. I think I'm going with Bisbee. All right. Bisbee takes it. <laughs> All right. All right. How many more of these are going to do? Because I'm lost and loaded with a, for a few more. Let's here. say five. Okay. All right. Um, <clears throat> this is I, a fun game. <laughs> I do enjoy it. And it's, I get to be a part of it, which is fun. Uh, I will go with Madeline's Madeline. Okay. Uh, Once again, I have to 
find something else to talk about. All right. <laughs> uh, I guess I was kind of, sh- this is the one movie I know you're seeing at the festival. So, uh, the description is as such, uh, Madeline got the part. She's going to play the lead in a theater piece, except the lead wears sweatpants like Madeline's and has a cat like Madeline's and is holding a steaming hot iron next to her mother's face. Like Madeline is. Uh, it's the new film from Josephine Decker, who directed uh, Butter on the Latch and Thou Was Mild and Lovely. I finally caught up with Thou Was Mild and Lovely. It's a really cool, similarly freaky, kind of vaguely horrific uh, film. And this one has Miranda July in it to boot. Hmm. Not a selling point. Well, Miranda well, July is a very much a selling point for me. <laughs> I know. Um, all right, I'm going to go with Sorry to Bother You, directed by Boots Riley. <clears throat> I like that. Uh, in an alternate present-day uh, version of Oakland... Um, oh, see, this doesn't give you the... Okay. In an alternate present-day version of Oakland, black telemarketer Cassius Green discovers a magical key to professional success, which propels him into a macabre universe. The key is that he learns how to... Or he has a white voice that he can use on the phone. Um, and the stars here are... Uh, in no particular order, Tessa Thompson, Army Hammer, pa- Patton Oswalt, Terry Crews, Stephen Yun, uh, Lakeith Stanfield in the lead, uh, David Cross, uh, Danny Glover, uh, Jermaine Fowler, a uh, bunch of people. All right, that one wins. Okay. <laughs> um, not the, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is uh, I'm really fascinated by Lakeith Stanfield as, right. a, as an actor. He's just okay. a, a very interesting person. Well, I think I've got another one to pick then. Oh, all right. <laughs> Scott, he just gave you a hint. Okay. Uh, All right. I'm going to go with Beirut, uh, directed by Brad Anderson, uh, who hasn't made a film anybody's cared about in some time. Uh, But there was a time. There was a time when it seemed like he was really up and coming. Yeah. Uh, But he's been doing a lot of TV work. I'm sure he's still a fine director. And he's done some stuff that seemed interesting that I didn't see, but what was the Stoneheart Asylum or whatever? It looks very cool. Did it? Uh, Did to me. It looked like my kind of thing. And then he made The Vanishing on 7th Street, which is uh, one of the first movies I ever reviewed for Battleship Retention back in 2011. Didn't care for it. It's a mixed bag. It's like the scary stuff really works, but it is kind of corny. Anyway. This is kind of a departure. This is written by Tony Gilroy, who's one of my favorite screenwriters and hasn't done enough of his own kind of unique work lately and stars Rosamund Pike, John Hamm, Shea Wiggum, and Dean Norris. It is mm. about a U.S. diplomat flees Lebanon in 1972 after a tragic incident at his home. Ten years later, he's called back to a war-torn Beirut by CIA operatives to negotiate for the life of a friend he left behind. All right. David? All right, I'm going to uh, pull a Scott and go with one I know he's planning on seeing. <laughs> uh, it was the... Uh, uh, aforementioned uh, Piercing, directed by Nicholas Pesci. You were planning on seeing that, right? I'm hoping to. We'll okay. see. Um, so, uh, as mentioned, starring Mia Vashikovska, also starring Christopher Abbott, um, and uh, Marin Ireland. I know that name. Why do I know her? Um, Hell or High Water? Homeland? All right. Anyway, uh, a man who kisses his wife and baby goodbye, seemingly headed away on a business with a plan Sorry, a man kisses his wife and baby goodbye, seemingly headed away on business with a plan to check into a hotel, call an escort service, and kill a prostitute. Damn. (laughs) All right. 81 minutes. Oh, damn it. All right. Uh, What was that one called? Piercing. And then what was the other one called? Beirut. I think piercing is probably going to be more fun, but I Well, I don't think... I mean, having seen The Eyes of My Mother, it's probably... This is not going to be as exploitative as it sounds. It's okay. probably going to be much more 
um, measured, I guess. Okay. But also, uh, and uh, what's there's another word I'm looking for that I can't think of. Zany. Um, pondering. Oh, ponderous. That's not zany. Um, <laughs> but also, it will probably be very gory as well. Okay. Again, this is just going off the eyes of my mother. Okay. And apparently, in color, the eyes of my mother was a black and white movie. But this one it does be- sound very interesting. <clears throat> but I think. There are so many working elements in Beirut there. Director, screenwriter, great performances. I'm uh, great actors. I'm a big fan of Shea Wiggum. And so uh, I'm going to go Beirut. I, I hope this will continue the streak of good John Hamm performances in movies. Uh, he was really good in Marjorie Prime. And before that, who cares about his films, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I never saw, I I never saw was, the town. I, I never he was saw pretty good in Baby Driver. He was pretty good in Brave that, that was guess after Marjorie Prime. No, was that before Marjorie Prime? It came, well, Marjorie oh, yeah. Prime played Sundance, so I always think of it as before, but they came out around the same time. You saw it at Sundance? No. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't see it until August. Um, it seems to be largely forgotten, I guess, in the award season. But, it's uh, okay. Uh, I think, no, I think it's Lois, really great. <laughs> Lois Smith is getting some stuff yeah. here and there. But I think the movie as a whole really needs, uh, should be seen more. Um, I think if but, it you had like two more scenes of people just explaining what the movie's about, that really would have sealed it for me. <laughs> uh, I think Will Oldham could get involved. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <clears throat> All right, is my turn? Yes. I'm sorry. I lost Wait, it. is that true? If we're switching the order, it oh is. no, we're not. Oh, I sorry. You just... Go ahead. All right, uh, <clears throat> I'll go with search. Uh, after his 16-year-old daughter goes missing, a desperate father breaks into her laptop to look for clues to find her. A thriller that unfolds entirely on computer screens, starring John Cho and Deborah Messing. Okay. I haven't read anything about that. Uh, that much like White Rabbit sounds like it could be as terrible as it could be. Good. I know, but I'm a big fan of both John Cho and Deborah Messing. I like John the, Cho. They a lot. went a long way in selling that premise. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, here's one I know Scott is not uh, at all uh, excited for because we talked about it. Leave No Trace is the new film from Deborah Grant. I'm not. I'm but just not going to see Winter's it. Bone. Yeah, Winter's Bone is not good. Okay. I why like do you, ha- why Bone. you hate Winter's Bone so much? Because it's just like I know you hate white trash. I know you don't like looking at poor it's, people. Is that it? <laughs> no, it's just so like I can only sum it up by using the way Reverse Shot, the online publication, referred to it, which is every time they mention it, they just go uh, Winter's Bone, Ozarks, Oogie Boogie, <laughs> which like the whole movie is just like everything's so spooky in the Ozarks. And it's just like, it just kept hitting the same note over and over again. Hmm. Well, as you're talking to two people who have spent time in the Ozarks, yeah. it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not far off. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, her new film, Leave No Trace, does not take place in the Ozarks. It okay. takes place in the Pacific Northwest. Points off. Uh, oh, well, points on for Pacific Northwest. That's where I'm um, from. A father and his 13-year-old daughter are living in a paradisiacal I don't I never said that word out loud that's a weird word um uh, existence in a vast urban park in Portland Oregon when a small mistake derails their lives forever uh starring Ben Foster the great Jeff Kober uh and Dale Dickey who was also in uh Mm. um you know who Jeff Kober is you'll know I don't let me show you uh you will absolutely know this actor oh yeah all right (laughs) yeah yeah that guy is uh usually quite frightening he was at LA Film Fest. He was behind me in line for popcorn, and I was like, "This lady better head out, hurry up with my popcorn before <laughs> Jeff Cobra crushes my skull." <laughs> oh, he, he always has a Garrett uh, or a garage. I don't know yeah. how you say it. Um, okay, so Scott, what was the name of yours again? Search. And then what was yours? Leave no trace. I think. I th- you know what. Uh, Damn, this is tough because I could see both of them being not great. Okay. Um, 
but the degree to which search could not be great is probably higher. Yeah. And I think if it were, let's say both of them were great, I feel like search would be great on a lower level. I feel okay. like it would achieve okay. less. So I'm going to say... So I win. Yes. All right. How do we feel about Ben Foster these days? I'm looking over his filmography. I think the last movie I really liked him in was Rampart. I mean, I, do, I <clears throat> think he is very, very good in Hell or High Water. Okay. I think mm-hmm. he, the, he makes choices that are, in some cases, they're the obvious choice, and in other cases, they are choices. not. All right. Um, the, I, uh, when I, he turns on the charm, when the character turns on the charm, it is such a specific type of Southern charm that you don't see okay. very much uh, that I feel like, oh, okay, I, I get this guy now. Uh, I really like that performance. And I know, Scott, I think you and I are mostly on the same page on Hostels, but I think he's good. I think I, I think most of the performances are good. It's just that they're saying stupid stuff the whole time. Yeah, he's probably he's pretty solid, but that's the moment when I realized the film was getting way off the course it needed to be on <laughs> to ever stick its landing. <laughs> All right, so we got two more. You mean okay. the, the, the part when he looks up and it's like, immediately like, oh, remember 310 to Yuma? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh, that's the first thing I thought of. No, it was just that. You, okay, so Tyler, you haven't seen Hostels because you listen to us talk about how dumb it is. <laughs> but uh, Christian Bale is the lead mm-hmm. and have a, a little less than halfway through the movie, uh, Ben Foster shows up and it's like, there's like a, it's like, oh, we have a prisoner and there's sort of a delay reveal of who, like who it is, right? Because he's yeah. talking to Peter Mullen and Peter yeah, Mullen's yeah. like, we want you to take this prisoner and then like, it's not until they're actually setting out that you see it's Ben Foster and I immediately mm. went, do to Yuma? Yeah, that's true. I, did, I mean, that was the moment when I realized it was more interested in Christian Bale's relationship to white people than the Indian <laughs> characters that I knew it would require to land the emotional ending that it tried for and mm-hmm. told a whiff. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm gonna, I've lost count, by the way, of who has what. Of oh, I've been keeping track. Yeah. But okay. It's not about the this, points. This is really it's for about the, the game. benefit. Yeah, all right. Uh, this is a fun way for them to learn about exactly. what's sure. coming up at Sundance. All right, I'm going to go with a movie that I don't think necessarily appeals to Tyler, but we'll see. You never know I with this guy. I can surprise you. That is not true. <laughs> I'm very predictable. <laughs> uh, it is called Colette. Is it about the uh, French novelist of the same name, starring Keira Knightley as said French novelist, also starring Dominic West and uh, Fiona Shaw, uh, written, written, directed by Wash Westmoreland, who is one of the co-directors of Still Alice. Okay. Uh, the other co-director was his uh, partner, I th- they might have been married, Richard Glatzer, uh, who died a couple years ago. Right. Um, but they co-wrote this movie together. Obviously, only Wash Westmoreland could end up directing it. Uh, but I absolutely adore Keira Knightley, and I liked Still Alice enough to be interested in whatever Wash Westmoreland does. Okay. So. Um, yeah. Can you re- restate the cast? Uh, Keira Knightley, Dominic West, and Fiona Shaw. Presumably uh, others as well. Nope. All right. All right. I am going to go with Come Sunday, okay. uh, a movie that already has distribution, um, and it is directed by Joshua Marston, who is best known for um, Maria Full of Grace, oh, yes. uh, thirteen, no, fourteen years ago now, and um, a recent Sundance flop. <laughs> Um, what complete unknown? Yeah, but you liked complete unknown. I did. Oh, I did. really? Yeah. yeah. See, that's why that I'm, surprises me. Um, that you do surprise me that I liked it. Yeah. Oh man. So you should read my review, like a friend would. But it's fine. <laughs> I might have read it at the time, and I just forgot. <laughs> the premise here: Evangelist Carlton Pearson is ostracized by his church for preaching that there is no hell. That's Chiwetel Ejiofor as Carlton Pearson. Okay. You've also got. Jason Siegel in the cast, a uh, guy named Lakeith Stanfield hey. is in the cast, Danny Glover showing up again, All right. uh, Martin Sheen, 
uh, yeah, that's that's uh, come Sunday. All right. What was the name of yours, Scott? I forgot. Uh, Colette. Colette. All right. They both sound pretty interesting. I do think that David's is more likely to frustrate me. <laughs> uh, but I did like Complete Unknown. And you liked Meaningful of Grace, right? Or did you I didn't, I haven't oh. seen it. I remember liking it. Um, I was in college, but yeah. And Complete Unknown is just complex enough that I feel like that director could handle depicting religious people in a complex way. Or it could be absolutely insufferable. <laughs> but you're going to see it in a way. Yeah, I'll probably fucking see it. I feel like a movie, like, we talk about how, like, uh, if someone is Scott, making, uh, we're talking. Yeah, sorry. If someone, if, if Fox is making a Wolverine movie, they don't actually have to be worried about Wolverine fans because they're going to see it anyway. Yeah, I feel like Come Sunday is the Tyler version of that. Like <laughs> you're going to see it. Uh, yeah, it, it, I'll say it, it depends on how much exposure it gets. Okay. You know, um, if I hear that it's good, then I'll see it. Obviously, but or if people say, "Oh, you should see it and talk about it on the show," or whatever. Um, but uh, anyway. Um, but I think I do like Kira Knightley a lot, and I like Fiona Shaw. All right. So I'm going to go with that one. Damn. Woo. Scott wins one. One more. One right. more. Make it count. Well, I think I used to, Unless I talk about one that I'm actually not planning on seeing. I think I'm... That's all you're seeing? All no, you I, I have oh, one, okay. but I'm, uh, I think I'm going to go with Mandy, uh, <laughs> the new film from Panos Cosmatos, who directed Beyond the Black Rainbow, ah, which yeah. was a very cool movie. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> this one stars Nicolas Cage and Andrew Risebro. Oh, okay. So, Panos Cosmatos, Nicolas Cage, Andrea Risebro. So, if you've got one out of three... <laughs> <laughs> reasons to me to see you this movie. Like, when Nicolas Cage is on, man. Oh, that's no, that's true. He is on. That's yeah. true. And I feel like in a Panos Cosmatos movie, and in this premise, which is about a couple leading a peaceful existence uh, in the woods uh, that is destroyed by a cult led by a sadist that catapults, uh, I assume, Nicolas Cage on a phantom. How do you say this word? Phantasmagoric. Phantasmagoric. Phantasmagoric journey filled with bloody vengeance and laced with fire. Okay, all right. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna just mention this movie because I um I'm it's uh, along with Beirut it's the one that's playing that I'm most pissed I'm not gonna be there to okay. see because this is a movie that I've been track like following along with for a while. Uh, Jonas Ackerlund's Lords of Chaos. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Gazoon died. Wow. Um, I'm getting sick again. Jonas Ackerland, don't you dare. <laughs> uh, Jonas Ackerland is best known as a music video director. He's done a ton of videos you've seen from the uh, Metallica Turn the Page video to the Prodigy Smack Smackman Bitch Up video to uh, a lot of the videos uh, that are, Do you remember that thing they used to show at MTV2 in the middle of the night hosted by Andrew WK that we used to watch? Yes. That was like all banned videos. Yeah. Like half of them are directed by Jonas Ackerland. That's okay. his thing. Uh, his only other feature that I can think of is a movie called Spun that came out in like 2001. I yeah, with Jason uh, Schwartzman. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Jonas Ackerman, uh Before all of this, he was a drummer in a band called Bathory. Okay. Which was a, um, a late '80s, early '90s Norwegian black metal band. Okay. Which is worth mentioning because Lord of Chaos is about the late '80s, early '90s Norwegian black metal scene. Okay. Specifically, it's about the rampant. 
crime uh, which started low level with people burning churches and ended up with one member, a member of one band murdering a member of another band. Wow. Um, and, uh, um, uh, Emery Cohen is playing the murderer and Rory Culkin is playing the victim. Yeah, boy. And, uh, this was a, it was a nonfiction book first, uh, now it's a movie, and the, all of the people who are still alive, who are a part of this scene, who are part of the, like people being depicted, have been telling friends and fans, stay away from this. This is all bullshit, which just makes me want to watch it even more. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that it's directed by one of the drummers of one of, not one of the bands involved in the murder, but someone yeah, from yeah. this this scene. Uh, Lords of Chaos is something I'm very excited, and I'm so bummed that it's play, not playing till the day after I leave. Both these movies sound pretty nuts, I gotta say. Um, I do like because this one that you're talking about could be just like a real, a real downer. In a yeah, lot it of also ways. could be a it could be real trashy. It could be, which is actually more <laughs> appealing. <laughs> yeah, um, but one thing we can guarantee will be trashy is Nicolas Cage's fire-filled <laughs> performance in whatever this movie was yeah. called. What was Mandy. It called? Mandy. Except it'll be, if it's anything like Beyond the Black Rainbow, it'll be like listening to a 45 at 70 <laughs> or at, at 33. Like, it, it's, yeah, Beyond the Black Rainbow is like, I don't know. It's like, it's like 90 minutes too long. <laughs> uh, which is weird because it's 85 minutes. But, um, no, I so think it's like a full two hours. Right? It's long, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, which films are you guys? Not that. Well, we, not did the you ones pick that you, one there. Or? Oh, it's Scott. Mandy. Okay. Yeah. Um, although that one does sound really interesting, and like you said, when they say like, "Don't see it," it's like, "Oh, well, come on now." Yeah. What choice um, do I have now? But uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, so now the game game's over. But there is one of the there's another movie I actually want to mention because I'm at least curious about it because so Sundance is like most festivals, the films are dry, are, are segregated separated is what I meant to say Mm -hmm. into sections you know there's dramatic competition US and dramatic competition world and then documentary and uh, and then they have a section called next in which they're oh that's right yes you told me about uh, yeah so they're they're trying to say that you know this is something it's usually something I don't know maybe a little I guess theoretically a little avant-garde or at least that's the idea they're trying to put uh, to put forward Um, uh, and until this year, there's never been a documentary in the next section. Okay. So the first ever next section documentary is called 306 Hollywood. Um, and uh, uh, the description here is when two siblings undertake an archaeological excava- excavation of their late grandmother's house, they embark on a magical realist journey in search of what life remains in the objects we leave behind. Um, sounds interesting, especially it, for a documentary. You don't hear the phrase magical, magical realism <laughs> with documentaries. Yeah, and that's uh, that, uh, so. Three hundred six Hollywood will actually be my first film of the of the festival. I'm seeing okay. it um, early early Thursday evening, um, and I just wanted to mention because of the whole idea of just ta- bringing up next, which I feel like is such a vague. What do you think of the next section? Do you think it has a strong mission statement? Or? I think so. I tend to dig uh, some of the movies I've seen in it. Um, and I've certainly highlighted some in large part because they're playing in that section. Okay. So what, what's playing in that section this year that we've talked about so far? Oh, that we talked about, uh, Madeline's Madeline, I think okay. is in that section. Um, man, I don't remember now. Baby piercing. No piercings in midnight. Midnight. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh, from midnight. Um, oh, an evening with Beverly Loughlin, which we didn't talk about, but I'm intrigued by. Not me. 
because of the greasy strike. Because I guy. saw the greasy strike. I did not see it. <laughs> and that was one that I like. Uh, Call Me By Your Name. Two yeah. years ago, Greasy Strangler wasn't on my list. And then it premiered, I think, at midnight. I think it was in the midnight section Probably. that year. And I woke up to tweets about how great it was. And I was like, I'm moving my schedule. I'm going to this P&I. And I was like, oh, I can't believe I spent my first Sundance. <laughs> I spent 90 minutes watching this stupid movie. Um, Did I ever send you that paper that one of my fellow students wrote about the Greasy Strangler? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he sent it to me once. I don't remember, okay. but I need to forward it on to you because, uh, yeah, he saw he saw a lot in that movie. Oh, and um, Search is also in Next. Okay. Um, I get confused about what's in Next because Sundance does every August here in Los Angeles. They do right. Next Fest, but those films aren't necessarily yeah. from the Next. I wonder if that was the initial, like... Maybe. Mission statement that it was all going to be. They change their mission for that thing every goddamn year. <laughs> um, <laughs> they change everything yeah. but the venue, and the venue still sucks. Uh, oh, I like the venue. Oh, what's wrong with the venue? The Ace Hotel. Yeah, the seats are like unbelievable. Like I'm not a tall man, but I can barely fit into those rows. Oh, and there's I you're right. I and, sit on the I sit on the end, and the um, visibility is thus uh, extremely bad. <laughs> Um, I think you and I look for different things when I, when I see, I like to see the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I I was thinking about like, Oh, but they've got that little parking lot where they have the free beer next door. And there's the taco stand. Sure. As long as you're not seeing the movie that you came to see, you're in great shape. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I thought I'd mention three Oh six Hollywood, uh, for those, for those reasons. So I was going to ask, uh, assuming that you get to see every movie you want to see, uh, while, while you're there, um, I'm not seeing Beirut or Loads of Chaos, so already I'm... Okay, I was going to ask, like, what film are you most excited about? Uh, of the things that I mentioned, what am I most... Or, or the things that he mentioned that you also want to prioritize. It doesn't have to be the ones that right, you right, just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I think I'm most excited for Madeline's Madeline because I have the least kind of conception of what it is. And I really like Josephine Decker and like Miranda July enough. Uh, Ophelia's up there, though, especially once I learned about that writer. Yeah, again, I, uh, Madeline's Madeline was, was on my list uh, as well. I'll say, I'll say, piercing because I feel like it's a movie that, uh, given that um, that storyline about a man setting out to murder a prostitute, yeah. After the 2017 that we've had, it could be infuriating and completely wrongheaded, yeah. or it could be something really interesting and introspective. Uh, and I look forward to discovering for the first time, along with a bunch of other people at midnight, uh, <laughs> which one piercing is. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good, good sounding movies here. Do you think, uh, you know, the, this, uh, I guess this is something to ask after you guys get back, but I was going to ask, you know, Sundance always has one or two movies that is like a big awards prospect. And I was going to ask if you think any of the movies uh, have that potential. I think he won't give our foot does leave um, no trace. Okay. I would think. Okay. Um, Trying to scan through Beirut potentially. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot there. Oh yeah. Beirut. Yeah. On like every level, like a pot- potential editing yeah. or cinematography and acting and all that. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good possibility. Um, yeah, I was going to say something else. I forgot what it was. All right. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. We'll be back in two weeks to see how it went. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully Have I don't burn the place down while you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. That's where you can find, uh, if you stay tuned uh, on that website, you can find all the reviews of, uh, hopefully the movies that I talked about, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, while I'm at, while I'm at Sundance and catching up with the days after I'll have all the reviews posted. Um, 
you can, what else do I say here? You can email us at David at battleship retention.com or Tyler at battleship retention.com. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, and you follow me at Sundance, um, uh, at Davey pretension. You can follow Tyler at Tyler pretension. One of the lessons still on hiatus. Uh, it is, but the site is still going strong. And, uh, one of our contributors Reed, is embarked on a blog series in which he's going to talk about every film by Alfred Hitchcock. So, and he's starting in the silent films and is he going to do a podcast per film or no, he's not doing that. He's just writing. It's just articles. Uh, um, I mean an article per film. Yes. Because I, I mean, yeah, there's got to be a temptation to lump some of those early ones in together. <laughs> into and I, one. He and I talked about it, yeah. Um, but no, it, it appears based on the eight separate documents he just sent me. Uh, I think he is uh, doing one per per film. Fun. So um, that's you can find us, Scott. Where can people find you and your Sundance coverage? Uh, at CriterionCast.com, um, and then of course at BattleshipPretension.com for everything else. Uh, that's really to update since last week. So, uh, uh, read my top 10 list. I did a text version of it. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't specifically mention, well, you had a three way tie and you cut two of them out, right? No, I, I said on the episode that I was only going to have one main pick for that. Right. And the other, I guess I'm saying the, this is what I'm getting at is that the episode is like, has bonus content. Exactly. And so does the writing one. And the writing one has bonus cuts. Do they work together? They're like the two different cuts of Voris and Wells movies. <laughs> you got to see them both to really get the whole picture. It's multi-platform. Exactly. Synergy. That's what it is. I mean, ideally you just watch the Orson Welles version. Like, you know, that's, <laughs> um, you don't need to see both. No, I'm saying like of his movies that have multiple cuts. Oh, sure. Yes. Watch all of them. And right. then maybe you'll start to get a <laughs> yeah, exactly. what it was supposed to be in the first place. Um, all right. All right. <sighs> so, excuse me. Um, <laughs> Thanks for listening. One guy is sneezing, the other guy's yawning. I'm sorry, Orson Welles is so boring, David. God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we'll get you next time. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.